morning, everybody. Did y'all have a good week? Yeah. Hey, listen, we're going to continue our uh, series through the book of John. I know we just started it last week, so we're in week two, and we didn't even get through all of chapter one. Um, so we're going to do that today. We're going to cover the rest of the chapter. But to kind of recap, last week we discussed about the significance of why um, John referred to Jesus being the Word, capital W, right? The Word, which it was John's way of saying that Jesus was the great I am, right? And like, no matter if you were Greek, no matter if you were Jewish, no matter what, what part of society you lived in that time, you knew that when, when, when John said the word capital, he was using those, that, Greek, that, that uh, Hebrew word mimra and the Greek word logos, which means the word, because they both knew that there was something out there, something greater than them, something that put the world in order, Right? And so, so, so John was pretty bold right off the bat to say, he is this very word, the one you Jews say are, are, is the unspeakable name of God, the tetragrammatron, the great I am. He, he is the one who, who, who cried out in the bush. He is God. And to the, and to the, and to the Greeks, he was saying, he is the one that, all this order that you see out here in the, in the world, he is that logos, he is that logic. He is the one that put, the, put everything in motion and, and, and made everything in order. And so right off the bat, John was saying, he is the one. He is the one. And, the, and, it, 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 and we finished talking last week about, about the significance of the word that Jesus came to be. This word would be a light to us. And what, it, what would that light be? What would it, we're going to discuss that, what that light is today a little bit. But what does, this light, what does light do but illuminate the path? That's why I want, you know, some of our favorite psalms, one of our favorite psalms says, your, your word is a lamp unto my feet, right? Your word, your memra, your logos, the great I am is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It illuminates things in the darkness. So when you're in your dark places, it's this light that, that shows us the way. It's, it's, it, Jesus, Jesus is the way. He came to explain the way to God, our Father. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. And just to kind of give you, give you a heads up, you know, last week we got this um, short introduction, right? The short introduction to this other John. His name was, we know him as John the Baptist. Right? And so don't get confused who wrote the book of John with John the Baptist. There's just two people named John. It's a popular name, okay? But we got introduced this little, like if you're, I said last week, if you're an English teacher, an ELA teacher, you'd be really upset because it's like he's talking about Jesus' word. There's like one, two verses about John, and he go back, goes back and talks about Jesus. Like John would have got an F on that paper, right? Well, today we're going to get a little bit more, talk uh, a little bit more from John because you have to understand, well, I'll just get into it and then we'll talk a little bit more about John. Okay, but John was this, um, there's this, in the, the prophet Isaiah prophesied that there would be a voice crying out in the wilderness that, that would prepare the way of the Lord, right? And John was this fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. He was, a, he was an older cousin of Jesus, right? And he, he, was, he, was, he was saying, there's one coming, there's somebody coming. That says, I'm, I want to get you guys ready. I'm baptizing you in repentance of sin because I want you to be ready for this coming Messiah, our coming Christ, the one that the prophets have prophesied about. This is John. John was fulfillment of that prophecy leading to Jesus. So, you ready? Come on with it. All right. This is what happens. You ready? John 1, verse 15. Uh, I may pause a couple of times, Zane, so just stay with me. All right. John taught the truth about him when he announced to the people. Him being Jesus, some translations say John bore witness about the truth that was in him. He, and this is what he announced to the people. He's the one. Set your hearts on him. I told you he would come after me, even though he ranks far above me, for he existed before I was even born. 
Like this, is, this would be kind of confusing to people in that day because, let's just be honest, John was an old, John the Baptist was the older cousin of Jesus. And it, so the, it probably was like, what, what does this even mean? Why do, this doesn't even make sense. Um, he goes, I'm older than him, this, but this Jesus is the one I've been telling you would come. He existed way before me. The, see, here's what the, John the Baptist is proclaiming, is that Jesus, that Jesus John the Baptist is proclaiming Jesus' eternal existence. He, 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 was crea- he, he was there before me. He, he's the one that put all creation into order. And the, the, the Baptist was proclaiming Jesus' eternal existence from the beginning, but this is also John informing us of something. Because John, John, John said that he ranks above me. It's that, like he, he, is, he is not me. And this is going to make more sense here in a minute when, it, when, John, when John the Baptist has a conversation with some religious leaders. But for us in this moment right now, this, is, this comment that John makes informs us of something. It informs us that the world is not about you. It's about him. The world is not about you. It's about him. So take a deep breath. You can let it go. Y'all, we all know those people. Right? They think the world circulates around them. If you don't know that person, you may be that person. <laughs> okay? Just so just so you're aware. But this is this is but this is John this is John saying, Hey, listen, it's not about me, it's not about you, it's all about him. It's all about him. And, that, and here's it, and you may be sitting here this morning, you may find this on YouTube or iTunes at a later date, but like here's the deal. No matter who you are in this room, if you're a believer or not a believer, your life at some point is going to be a proclamation of his glory, whether you're a believer or not, because Jesus is a righteous judge. And one day you will be judged. One day, not right now, because Jesus says in John, in, later in John 3.17, I did not come into the world to condemn the world, but through me that it might be saved. But there is coming a day when he, when he will be sitting on the judgment seat and he will cast judgment and his glory will prevail whether you're a believer or not a believer. I just want to be on the good side. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The good side of his glory. But this is the whole reason why our friend Isaiah, who was, who was a prophet of the Old Testament, he, he came out and said this one day. He said, yes, Lord, walking in the way of your truth, we wait eagerly for you. Your name and your renown is the desire of our souls. It is his glory, his renown that matters. Your life, one way or another, will one day give God glory and give God renown, whether you're a believer or not. Whether you're a believer or not. All right? But this is John the Baptist saying, he ranks above me. He is God. He is the one I've been telling you about, the Savior of the world. Okay? But John goes on recording about John the Baptist. It says, John taught, this is John the Baptist, John taught the truth about him when he announced to the people, he is the one, set your hearts on him. I told you he would come after me, even though he ranks far above me, for he existed before I was even born. And now, out of his fullness, we are fulfilled. And that's very important. And now out of his fullness, whose fullness? Jesus, we are fulfilled. And from him we receive grace heaped upon grace. Grace heaped upon grace. It's out of Christ's fullness, out of his completeness, that we are fulfilled. It's why, it's why we, can, we can also say it like this. Out of Christ's fullness, we stand complete by his grace and nothing else. It's, he is the only one who is holy and worthy. And it, we, it takes him coming into us to, to give us fulfillment. That's why your husband or your wife will never give you full fulfillment. 
Brittany. She's getting a whipping later. Hey, here's another one. I'm going to say this real quick, real quick, because I don't want people getting too mad. Your children will not fulfill you. Your relationships will not fulfill you. Your, your friendships will not fulfill you. Your job will definitely not fulfill you. Anybody like taxed right now? Like, whoo, I wish I made a little bit more so I could put some gas in my tank. You know what I'm saying? Like, dang. It's only in him that we can be fulfilled and reach full joy. Only in him. Out of Christ's fullness, we stand complete by his grace. This means you have a new beginning every day. You can say it like this. You may have failed yesterday, but today is a start over. That's what grace heaped upon grace means. That means every day you get a fresh start. This is John saying, listen, I know how screwed up I am. I'm screwed up from the floor up, you know what I'm saying? And the, I get received grace from him every day to start something new. Because guess what? If Jesus is the standard, how are we matching up? We're not. Because if he's the standard, we're way down here. Like we don't deserve it, but he's going to pour out that grace, unmerited favor, something you don't deserve. Right? And he's going to give it to you anyways. He's going to give you a fresh start every day. And there's this Old Testament book, right? <laughs> It's, it's called Lamentations. Don't, don't go to it yet. There's this Old Testament book. It's called Lamentations. And this book of Lamentations is nothing but a huge lament. I don't know if you know what a lament is, but it's basically imagine, guys, your wife complaining all the time. Oh, I thought somebody would laugh at that. Dang. Just imagine somebody complaining all the time. Okay? This is kind of like, where are you? Why haven't you taken out the trash yet? Like, where are you, God? Like, that's kind of what lament is. It's, it's, it's the... It's the people of God going, God, where are you? We've been struggling so bad. But I want you to listen to this, because even, even in our laments, even in our struggles, even in our things that we don't, we don't necessarily understand in life, this is, what, this is what the writer of Lamentation says. He says, the faithful love of the Lord, this is the middle of him going, God, where are you? Okay, The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. Like, this is incredible. That means no matter how screwed up you were today, guess what? Tomorrow is something brand new. You can start over. And this, is, this, is like, this is why I pointed out last week when it becomes between grace and the law. I said last week, the law demands righteousness from man. Grace gives righteousness to man from God. The law demands a right standing and gives rules and regulations that you can't meet. The book of Hebrews is clear. You can't meet up to the standard of the law let alone the standard of Jesus. The law was actually there to put in place to show you that you couldn't meet that standard at all. But Jesus came to show us grace and give us grace. And grace gives us a right standing to, with, with God, from God to man. That's an incredible, incredible story. That's your story. That's my story. Something that we didn't deserve, something that we, that we didn't earn, something that we can never meet up. He says, here, it's yours freely. Millennials should enjoy that, right? It's free, giving it away. Didn't have to work for it. But he goes on to say this, John 1, 17, he says, Moses gave us the law. So I'm going to show you, Moses gave us the law, but Jesus, the anointed one, unveils truth wrapped in tender mercies. And I just want to pause just there for a minute and say, so Moses gave us the law, the law, and you kind of like, you kind of like say it like this, you know, when, when Moses was in Egypt, the water turned, turned, turned to blood, signify, signifying guilt, signifying 
signifying uh, not judgment, signifying wrath, signifying, you, you know what I'm saying? But when Jesus came, what was his first miracle? He turned water into wine, water into pure joy, bland into something exciting. It's, it's water into grace, something that flows freely every day. But he, he says, Moses gave us a law, but Jesus, the anointed one, unveils the truth. Now, truth trapped in tender mercies. No one has ever gazed upon the fullness of God's splendor. Wouldn't you like to see that? Like you get to see that one day. One day when you stand before the throne, you get to see God in his full splendor. But here you go. No one has ever gazed upon the fullness of God's splendor except the uniquely beloved Son who is cherished by the Father and held close to his heart. Now he has unfolded to us or made plain to us the full explanation of who God truly is. It's Jesus who gets us there. That's why we sing songs like there is, Je there is Jesus. It's only Jesus. But just a little, little history for you. The word unfolded comes from the Greek word, word exegemoe. I, I'm butchering it, but it's okay. Exegemoe, which means to lead the way, to explain, or to lay bare. And lay bare means to lay out plainly, lay out like just to make it plain, plain to us. And why is this such a big deal? Because other religions teach that their God is a far distance away. Look at it. They're far distance away. They, they want nothing to do with us. Like, really don't want nothing to do with us. They set up a bunch of rules and regulations and stuff that, that, that's hard to me. And, like, and it's like they're, they're trying to keep their people away. And you have to please God, please this, please that. Like, you have to do things to make that God happy, right? That's other gods. But our God, the one that we worship, the one true God, Right? We worship a God who wants us to know him intimately and also provides the way to do that. Right? And his way was Jesus. Listen, you can't do it, so I'm going to send somebody that can. And his name was Jesus. His name was Jesus. Jesus leads the way to the Father. Because it's why he told his disciples, um, you know, sometimes the disciples would act like kids, you know what I'm talking about? And they would like berate Jesus with questions, like questions after questions after questions. And you, I'm, even though Jesus was God, I'm sure he probably got frustrated a lot. Like even once he said, how long must I be with you? <laughs> like, but uh, after the disciples asked him this question, hey, Jesus, can you show us the Father? And this is Jesus' answer in John 14, 9. He says, Jesus replied, Philip, I've been with you all this time and you still don't know who I am? I'm sure if I, if I was Philip in that moment, I'd be like, oh, I'm in trouble. <laughs> How could you ask me to show you the Father? For anyone who has looked at me has seen the Father. If you want to know the Father, look at Jesus. Jesus, Jesus is God. He's a per perfect representation of what his Father is about. What his Father is about. We'll keep reading here. Verse chapter 1, 19 goes on to say, there were some of the Jewish leaders, this is back to, back to John the Baptist, ready? There were, there were some of the Jewish leaders who sent an entourage of priests and temple servants from Jerusalem to interrogate John. This is John the Baptist. They asked him, who are you? And I want to tell you why this, is, why this conversation is really important, why I said earlier that what we read earlier would make sense, is that during that time period, there were several people claiming to be the Messiah. Okay? 
one of them you know. And then if you look up through history, you'll, you can, there's, there's, four, there's four names you can find popped up. And you know what one of those four names is that we see in the Bible that they thought could have been the Messiah? Barabbas. He was, a, he, was, he, was, he was trying to overthrow the Roman government during that time. That's why at Jesus' crucifixion, they brought Barabbas out. And basically, they were saying, do you want this Messiah or do you want this Messiah? Right? They're like, give us Barabbas. You know, here's another interesting thing. bar in Hebrew, means son of a father, son of a priest. So you're aware. Craziness. Anyway, there was some of the Jewish leaders who sent the entourage of priests and the temple servants from Jerusalem to interrogate John. They asked him, who are you? And John answered them. This is why this is important. John answered them directly saying, I am not the Messiah. I am not the Messiah. Then who are you, they asked. Are you Elijah? Because there was a prophecy that before Jesus was coming, there would be a prophet Elijah would be re- reappeared. Well, they didn't realize that that would be at the second coming when he comes to rapture the church away. That was a prophecy about the end time, not necessarily this, okay? And who are you? They asked, are you Elijah? No, John replied. So they pressed him further. Are you, a pro- are you, a, are you the prophet Moses um, said was coming, the one who we're, we're expecting and that prophet it's them re-asking them because what Moses was talking about was the Messiah coming. They went back and said, are you the prophet that Moses told us about? Trying to, trying to get them to say yes or no. I mean, the prophet Moses said was coming, the one we're expecting. No, he replied. Then who are you, they demanded. We need an answer for those who sent us. Tell us something about yourself, anything. Just tell us something. Right? Give us a, and John's just like, Shut lips right over here, you know what I'm saying? So John answers them, I am fulfilling Isaiah's prophecy. I am an urgent, thundering voice shouting in the desert, clear the way and prepare your hearts for the coming of the Lord, Yahweh. And I don't know if you noticed, but if you remember last week, before Jesus, they wouldn't even write out the word Yahweh because that was indicative of the name I am, the Tetragrammatron, the unspeakable name of God. Here he says it out plainly. Why? Because Jesus is in their midst. He's in their presence. Yahweh, the great I am, the Memra, the Logos is here. But here's an interesting fact, and it's kind of off topic for today, but I thought I would add this in here. John the Baptist's role, the very role that John the Baptist had for Christ's first appearance is now given to us for his second appearance. You know what that is? Make straight or prepare the way of the Lord. Because Jesus is coming back, and what are we doing to get people ready? Are we, are, we, are we fulfilling our call to be the very one crying out in the desert place, crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, he is coming? Because that's our role now. John the Baptist did his, right? That's why, I mean, he did it good enough for religious leaders to come out of the city, to come to where he was at the Jordan River to ask him. You with me? Let's keep reading. All right, John 1, 24-29. It says, Then some members of the religious sect known as the Pharisees questioned John, Why do you baptize the people since you admit you're not Christ, Elijah, or the prophet? And John answered them, I'll baptize in this river, but the one who will take place, uh, the one who will take my place is to be more honored than, than I. But even when he stands among you, and there's this indication here, if you look in the, in the original text, is that Christ is really standing there in their midst and they're not even recognizing who he is, right? 
Hey, it's John saying, <laughs> I can just imagine John just kind of looking over the shoulder, seeing Jesus standing back there in the crowd going, but even when he stands among you, you will not recognize or embrace him. I am not worthy enough to stoop down in front of him and untie, uh, and untie his sandals. This is John just going like, I am, I am so un, unworthy to even be in his presence. So for, so for him to even be here is craziness. But he goes on to say, this all took place at Bethany where John was baptizing at the place of the crossing of the Jordan River. And I love how John puts things in order because he says the very next day, John saw Jesus coming to him to be baptized, and John cried out, Look, there he is. You know the one I was talking about yesterday? This is him. There he is. God's lamb, he will take away the sins of the world. He will take away the sins of the world. This is what John was talking about in, chap in, chap in the first part of chapter 1, about this light, this light being he is the light that lights up the darkness. He is the one that lights up salvation. Jesus came to give light, the light of salvation. That is his role. That is what the word does, right? That's why in, in, in Luke, our friend Luke records this, it said, records Jesus' words when he said, Jesus said to him, this shows that today life has come to you in your household, for you are true sons of Abraham. The Son of Man has come to seek out and save those who are lost. His role is to, his primary role is to save you and nothing else. That's his primary role. His primary role. Did he come to do miracles? Yes. But it wasn't his primary role. Did he come to teach? Yes. But it wasn't his primary role. Does he still give us miracles and gifts today? Yes. But it's not his primary role. His primary role is to save you and nothing else. That's his biggest concern. Well, Derek, I've, just been, I've been praying for the gifts of the Spirit. Well, that's great. But his primary role is to save you first. Derek, I just wish he would tell me his will. Well, for you to know his will, he has to do his primary role, which is to save you. His primary role is to save you. Like, if that's the only thing he ever does for you, it's good enough. It's good enough. Whether you get gifts, whether you get know exactly what your will is, whatever, like whatever. Your pri his primary role has been and will always be to save you. And John goes on to say this. I told you, this is John the Baptist talking, I told you that the mighty one would come who is far greater than I am because he existed long before I was born. Uh, my, my baptism was for, the, for, was for the preparation of, of his appearing to Israel, even though I have yet to, yet to experience him. Then as John baptized Jesus, he spoke these words, I see the Spirit of God appear like a dove descending from the heavenly realm and landing upon him, and it, is rest, and it rested upon him from that moment forward. And even though I've yet to experience him, yet to experience him, when I was commissioned to, to baptize with water, God spoke those, those, these words to me. One day you will see the Spirit descend and remain upon a man. He will be the one I have sent, I have sent, to baptize with the Holy Spirit, and now I have now I have seen seen with, with discernment, uh, seen with discernment. I can tell you for sure this that this man is the Son of God. And the very next day, John John was there again with two of his disciples as Jesus as Jesus was walking right past them. John gazing gazing upon upon him pointed to Jesus and said, "Look, there is God's Lamb." And as soon as, as, as John's two disciples heard this, they immediately left 
John and began to follow a short distance behind him. You notice what happens when happened when they realized that that was the Messiah and they had a call to go? Immediate obedience. Your, if his primary role is, is salvation, your primary role is immediate obedience. He says, follow me, I'm going to follow. What if it's some, somewhere dangerous? Then you're going somewhere dangerous. <laughs> immediate obedience. Well, Derek, what about, what if your kids get called to a dangerous place? Well, I'm going to be praying hard. But they better go, and I better not keep them from doing what God's called them to do. Your role is immediate obedience. So we're getting into this part now of the chapter, for the end of the chapter, where Jesus starts calling some of his disciples, right? This is really interesting, because I kind of I like to put myself in their shoes sometimes. Like, find one that I'm, like, relatively, like, similar to, and I try to find, so this is, so this is, this, this is awesome. Then Jesus, so imagine, here's the two disciples just kind of creeping on Jesus, following him, right? <laughs> I don't know how far away there was, but part of Jesus is like, they're so dumb. I'm God, I know they're behind me. You know, this is that Jesus turned around and saw they were following him and asked, what do you want? <laughs> and they responded, Rabbi, which means master teacher, because they weren't for sure yet, they weren't convinced yet that he was the Messiah. So out of respect, still, they just said, Rabbi, okay? Where are you staying? And Jesus answered. And I, I can kind of picture Jesus saying this to us today. Come and discover for yourself. Some translations say, come and see. Come and see. Jesus answered, come and discover for yourself. So what did they do? Immediate obedience, right? So they went with him and saw where he was staying. And since it was late that afternoon, they spent the rest of the day with Jesus. That would be so cool. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like just chilling with Jesus, right? But here's the truth in this, is that oftentimes, even if we're trying to follow at a, deep, at a distance, Jesus is inviting you into his work. The very word that spoke things in, into, into existence, into creation, the one that saves, says, I want you to be a part of this story. Jesus is, trying, is inviting you into his work, and he goes on to say, one of the two disciples who, who heard John's words and began to follow Jesus was a man named Andrew. He went and found his brother Simon and told him, we have found the anointed one, which translates to the Christ. So at some point in these 24, 48 hours, they were like, oh, he's the real deal. Because even John at the end of his book says that, said, that, um, said that there's so many things that Jesus did, miracles that Jesus performed that it couldn't have fit in this book, right? So I'm just picturing Jesus showed them some stuff. You know what I'm saying? During this time, we translated it translates to Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet him. When Jesus gazed upon Andrew's brother, he prophesied to him, You are Simon, and you are, uh, you are, you are Simon, and your father's name is John. But from now on, you will be called Cephas, which means Peter the Rock. There's our friend Peter who always puts his foot in his mouth, right? The next day, Jesus decided to go to the region of Galilee. There he found Philip and said to him, Come and follow me. Now, Philip and Andrew and Peter were all from the same village of Bethsaida. Then Philip went, and this is, this is where I kind of interject my story. For just a second. See, one of my biggest fears, I guess, with death and in life in general is not being remembered. That's my biggest I don't care about dying. I just 
don't want to be forgotten. You know, <laughs> that's the weirdest thing because I, like, I often sit down and I, I think about like um, when I often because the other day when I was putting this together and I happened to look up and on 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 the bookshelf is a wooden duck. And this wooden duck used to be my Papa Clarence's, right? And so when I was putting this together about two weeks ago, I looked up and I saw saw that duck. I was like, man, how often do I think about my Papa Clarence? Now from then on, I've been having some, I've been dreaming about him every night. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's like that's a little weird, you know. But that's my biggest fear. I think that's this is my biggest fear is being forgotten. I think in all reality, that's for most people. Then Philip went and looked for his friend Nathaniel and told him, we found him. Found who? We found the one who we've, we've been waiting for. It's Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth, the anointed one. He is the one that Moses and the prophets prophesied would come. And Nathaniel sneered. This is me. This would be me. Nazareth, what good thing could ever come from Nazareth? And Philip answered, come and let's find out. Like, just, just see. Come test the waters. All right? When Jesus saw Nathaniel, Nathaniel approaching, he said, now here comes the true son of Israel, an honest man with no hidden motive. I'm, not that part. Not that part about me. But here's, here's what I love. Nathaniel was stunned and said, but you've never met me. How do you know anything about me? And this, this is Jesus' answer here. He said, Nathaniel, right before Philip came to you, I saw you sitting under the shade of a fig tree. And I don't know if this is for anybody else but me in here, but he does see you and he wants you. He does see you and he wants you. This gave me so much hope because even if everybody in this world forgets about me, guess who sees me? Jesus. I will never be forgotten. I'll never be alone. He does see you and he wants you. And I don't know what that may mean to you, but it was for, like I felt like God said, not only is it for you, but you need to say it Sunday because it's for somebody. He sees you and he wants you. You want to know what Nathaniel's reply was? Nathaniel replied, You are Lord, you are God. In verse 50, it says, Jesus answered, you believe simply because I told you I saw you sitting under a fig tree? You will experience even more impressive things than that. Jesus has so much more for you to experience than what you're experiencing right now. He wants so much more for you than even you want for yourself. Things you couldn't even dream or imagine, Scripture says. He wants to build you up. You believe simply because I told you I saw you sitting under the fig tree? You'll experience even more impressive things than that. And he, this, is, this is what he says you're going to see. One of the things you're going to see. And this is going back to an Old Testament text talking about uh, there's a prophet who saw a ladder reaching from earth to heaven. And upon this ladder was angels or messengers going up and down delivering messages. And this is what he says. He says, I prophesy to you eternal truth. From now, now on, you, will, you all will see an open heaven and gaze upon the Son of Man like a stairwell reaching into the sky with the messages of God. He, this is Jesus saying, you know that stairwell, that, that staircase, you, you, that, that ladder you, you heard about growing up as a kid in the temple? I am that ladder. 
I am that ladder. I prophesy to you eternal truth. From now on, you all will see an open heaven and gaze upon the Son of Man like a, stair like a stairway reaching into the sky with the messengers of God climbing up and down upon him. You're like, Derek, what is that? Like, why does that even matter? Here's why it matters. It means that we have access to the throne. The heaven is open. And our mediator, Jesus, is there with the Father. The Father who wants us to know Him. He's saying, that's my child. That's your child. That's your child. He's asking for help. He's asking to be remembered. We tell Him, I see you. I see you. And I don't know where you find yourself in here. This morning, maybe you've been following Jesus for a long time, or maybe you're like, well, I thought I was following Jesus, but I really haven't. Well, to, today, all that can change. God wants you to be because He wants you. He wants you to receive this light of salvation. John says, come. And has come. Jesus and God saying, I see you. I see you need me. And I'm willing. So the question becomes, can, will you accept Jesus for the first time today? Or maybe you're in here and you've kind of been like, I haven't been, I haven't really been following Jesus the way that I have, should have. And maybe today you can say, you know what, today's going to be something different. You can do that today. But if we already have the baptism set up, so if you want to make that decision today to follow Jesus, to, to to say, you know, Jesus, I repent. I want to come to you. I want, I want you to see me. I want you to keep seeing me. And you want to come to know Jesus in the last words. We can go ahead and take your next step and plunge you. Just water. You know what I'm well, my clothes will get wet. It don't matter. It'll dry. <laughs> Here's what we're going to do. I want everybody to close their eyes, bow their heads real quick. And we normally don't do this, but Anthony's going to come up and play, and uh, Cody's going to come up and sing. But if you're in here and you want to take that next step in salvation, accept Jesus for the first time, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Or maybe your next step is baptism. If that is you, they're going to sing a verse in the chorus of a song. We're not going to drag this thing on for 14 years, but... Here's what I'm going to ask you to do as they sing. We normally don't do this. Altar is open for you to come pray. Say, Jesus, I'm yours. If you want to be baptized, come find me. I'll be standing right over here. Let's, Let's pray. Dear God, I want to thank you so much for life change that's happening across this room and across the city, whether it be today, the past, or in the future, God, the life change that, you, that only you can give. God, I pray for somebody here that's accepting you for the first time. You give them the courage and the boldness to come pray for you, come pray to you, and to take their steps with you. God, I pray for that heart here that maybe is, that is a follower of you, but hasn't been following, following the way they should or they feel like they should. God, maybe they come and just do a fresh start. Maybe they receive that grace heaped upon grace that only you can 